This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Tackling what I think are the most important stories of the week and not the ones that get the 24-7 tabloid-style attention from the glowing box cable news. I try to point out the stuff that's really going to have a deep and long-lasting impact on us. And uh, the Georgia governor's race is actually one of those things that has, I think, worldwide potential impact and certainly it's i'm not the only one who thinks it has national importance national significance i want to i'm going to be talking about that until election day so uh you can get a unique perspective on that stuff that you're not getting anywhere else than on this show but uh it is memorial day weekend and i I hope everyone's having a great day. I don't want to get too deep. I don't want to get too heavy. That's kind of hard for me. I even get deep and heavy and uh, maybe overthink my own personal stuff. My son and husband are on a Boy Scouts camping trip, which leaves me behind lonely. But that's okay. We're okay. It's worth it. I feel like it's worth it because... Uh, My son's kind of an egghead and a gamer and, you know, he's just, uh, he's not, he's not out there getting lost in the woods on a regular basis. I can tell you that. And I also feel like this is a ready-made opportunity to build leadership skills and actually survival skills. Who knows when the grid's going to go down and you need to shoot a squirrel. I don't, (laughs) I don't actually think they teach you to shoot squirrels, but they do teach them a lot of good stuff. And, um... And he, but he wants to quit. He doesn't want to do it. And I, and I don't usually force the kids or coerce the kids into doing stuff that I want them to do, like never before. But this one, I just can't let go of. I kind of make them do it. And I'm wondering if I'm, if I'm wrong about that. If somebody has a perspective. So I just want to take a couple of calls on that. I'm going to go to David in Franklin Springs. David, what you got for me? Yes, Monica. My son just interviewed for uh, medical school, and the first question asked by him uh, from his from his first interview or a doctor was how do I keep my son interested in Boy Scouts? The doctor was an Eagle Scout. My son was an Eagle Scout. And his answer was keep him involved in the fun stuff and everything else to come. And here's your description. Y'all aren't an advancement-type troop, so the fun stuff's what you want to focus on. Like what? <laughs> like the camping, the outdoor stuff, the, the canoeing, on the scout camp, uh, we, we did a trip to Okie every year, go swim the manatee, stuff like that. So, yes, you know what uh, they did? He just kind of started. He's He was the oldest you could possibly be to join up. He's 12, and I think he's only been in it like a year and a half. But last year, they went out to the Colorado River and went whitewater rafting. I mean, if that's not fun, maybe it scares that, him. And that didn't hook him, huh? You know, he loved going with his dad. I don't know what. I I really worry about the video games being too much of a an attraction. Yeah. yeah. That it just takes effort. Well, he was worried know, that it was going to be cold to sleep. I feel like, don't you need to? I grew up without air conditioning. Like, don't you need some physical stress to like uh, keep your brain? It's like the idling immune system. They say if you're never exposed to germs, 
you get sick when you're old. I feel like if a kid is never cold or covered in mosquito bites, like he doesn't know how good it is when he lives in his nice condo. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. So I'm making him do it. But the problem is he's got such a bad attitude that I'm afraid he's not getting out of it what what he could. So I might have to get clever on my incentives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take away some Xbox. I can tell you from my perspective, uh, now my son really appreciates having been in Scouts. At the time, a lot of his friends didn't do it. Uh, when, when I grew up, that was all we had in our community, Little League Baseball and Boy Scouts. Now they have a gazillion things and games and all the, all the entertainment stuff. So I just encourage you to try to focus on the fun stuff. Yeah, I will. And I will say thank you very much for the call. And I will say uh, his grandpa, my husband's father, died last year and left for him, left for my son, his Eagle Scout uniform. And it was very moving, and and my son really values it. So I know there's something there that um, reaches him. And uh, I'm gonna have this is the thing about being a parent, you it, it's not it, it's never like your way. You have to just figure out the the way to get the best thing for the kid, not to get your way. But you have to just you have to think it through. And um, do some soul searching and always approach it with love. I'm going to take one more call on this. Hal in Athens, what do you think? Monica, the Boy Scouts was incredible. Um, but if it's not his thing, he needs to pick something to get involved in. Something, uh, you know, you say he's like geeky, nerdy, maybe yeah. a robotics team. But he needs to have some commitment that he puts his all in. Dude, literally, I'm worried about his eyes. Like, I need him to be in something where he focuses on things far away because this, all these screens, I mean, he goes through prescriptions like nobody's business. So I feel like it has to be something outside. Maybe, 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 maybe it's not the scouts. Maybe it's just hiking. You know, maybe you could just do that, mountain biking or something. Anything that, that gives him a, a, a role that, that he can really dig into and be a part of. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know what? I'm really focused on helping him develop leadership skills. But anything, I think that anything you get good at, you can naturally be a leader. People will follow you because you have that expertise. That's why it takes such a long time to get there. So I'm going to try to think. I'm going to try to think outside the box. I'm trying to open my mind and uh, and and maybe have a dialogue with him when he gets back. And you know what? Maybe after this trip, he will have had a um, an epiphany of his own and either explain to me what the problem is or tell me that uh, how wrong he was and how right I was. What's the likelihood of that? <laughs> Slim to none. Don't hold your breath. I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, so, Binkley, where are we now? What do we got? We want tweets where we want to get back on track thank you so much people i really hate to tap into that but i like to get outside perspective sometimes i mean i remember when he was having trouble in school everybody said well get him off the video games and then he'll uh want to go out with his friends in school and what i realized was that the kids in school had a different gaming system yeah so i switched his gaming system really i'm telling you no one was on my side with that and he literally games less because they'll say oh let's meet for lunch and he'll drop the game and he'll go so, so you got to think outside the box yeah. you got to get other perspectives if so everybody's doing the same drug they can do it together i would not be allowed to talk about this except for they're out in the woods Otherwise, they'd be home <laughs> listening, and I would be really in trouble. So <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> we're talking about this. So um, 
No, let's get back on track. Let's get our head back in the book. All right. All right, what do we got? We have a tweet from Mysterio, and he's referring to what you were talking about earlier with the changing demographic. He says, weird that people don't realize that that's what's going on with the migrant crisis. Oh, so what I was talking about and James was talking about, I was saying how Ireland underwent a dramatic migratory um, transformation when they opened their borders to the EU and opening the borders wasn't enough because it had nothing to attract anyone. It was not a technological powerhouse. It was not an economic powerhouse. So the EU violated their own rules and allowed Ireland, like they did many other countries, to overload themselves with debt to front end their their um, economic development with debt. And, and it, that's a very terrible thing. And it resulted in all these crises. But it did attract outside people to Ireland to get work. I believe that's why they did it. And um, and so yesterday they overturned or it looks like they overturned the amendment giving an unborn child equal right to life as the mother. And that, of course, opens the door to legislation allowing abortion, which is just something that is, you know, very contrary to Ireland's traditional beliefs, regardless of what you say about the Catholic Church. The church is not the Vatican or the pope. It is the people and the people in Ireland were keeping it alive despite abuses and scandal and all that. So it had to be more than just words in the paper about Catholic um, clergy. Uh, And then here in Georgia, Stacey Abrams talks about the influx of people. She says it increases diversity. I haven't seen increasing. You know, they're all about identity. I don't see that diversity. She's talking in in another interview. She talks about how they're bringing in uh, Hollywood values and bringing in people from Hollywood. And uh, I thought and, and we paid Hollywood to come here, which I hate <laughs> so i've always hated that culture and did not want it here was not happy when i saw it here having moved here from that uh and it was clear i thought actually i had a caller way back then who called and said i think that not with the film thing but just generally they're encouraging migration throughout the states for this purpose of changing the voting demographic and i will say after that call i was very alerted to it Anytime I see these signs like um, when you see article after article in the Wall Street Journal, for example, advertising basically for jobs in the flyover states, they're talking about dramatic job shortages in these red states in the middle of the country. And they're attracting people from the coasts to go there. And then what happens, of course, they vote the way they were taught to vote in their own culture, (laughs) their own local American region. And uh, and the and the number of people from these urban outposts flooding into these rural job centers uh, can turn the tide, could flip the flyovers and flip the south. And and I think that is what it's about. And it's and they deny it. Right. So I'm a libertarian. I believe in free markets, free societies, the right to work and travel. We don't have that. So you have to just look at what the you know, you, you can you have to also look at the reality and I identified early on that the, the manipulated immigration is meant to change the vote. And people still worry about Mexico, but Canada, Canadians are definitely going to vote socialist. I mean, it's not, it's not a racial thing. But uh, I think what Mysterio's tweet was saying is that they're, they deny it. They deny you know, a comment like mine, but they actually utilize that tactic. It's pretty clear and effective. And then 
they talk about it, and the only thing they're really denying is that it's intentional. But Stacey Abrams herself said, we spent a lot of money bringing the film industry to Georgia, and now they're going to vote our way. I mean, but it wasn't but it wasn't even a, a, a Democrat that did it, right? It was the Republicans who who um, subsidized the film industry here. But anyway, so I've got some good... Uh, I want to talk about... Abrams is all about image, and part of that image, it's not just racial identity or gender. It's also about her economic identity. So I'm going to poke some holes in that with Binkley's help right after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB talking about um, a lot of local and national issues. But my Memorial Day issue is about my son and Boy Scouts. He doesn't like it, but I feel like he needs it. I am going to I think I'm taking one more call on that. I think that's what Jim in Woodstock is calling about. Jim, you're on the air. Well, hi. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. I, I listen to you uh, uh, a lot, especially on Saturdays when I'm on the road uh, driving. I'm, I'm uh, com- just coming back from a job. Uh, I was listening to your problem, and it's it, uh, stuck a note with me because uh, uh, Janice and I have been married for 46 years, and uh, our two boys, we got them uh, a gaming system for Christmas many, many years ago and uh, spent about five or $600 on it. And the kids loved it. We never saw them for three or four or five days. Uh, they were just stuck up in their room going at it. And my wife is a lot smarter than I am. She came to me and she says, Jim, that game has got to go. We've got to get out of the house. It's ruining their brains. They're going to be completely, totally idiotic citizens when they grow up. Yes, we spent $500 on it. Says, Let's give it to another kid in the neighborhood. She says, we're going to ruin that kid's life. Nope. I feel very strongly, but we threw it in the trash. Kids wow. were so upset about it. They were so upset. They've both grown up. They're University of Georgia graduates. They're they're stockbrokers. Uh, they're they're. I feel like that's the reason why they're successful. Is we threw that thing away. Just just toss it. Tough love. Toss it. Yeah, I hear you. And I'll tell you, back then that was you know bold move on your part. And uh, and. It was so clear, probably, even then, where this would all head, yet the entire society, I think, subsidized by government tech and, uh, and who knows what else, policies that would be are much more restrictive on the radio than on the Internet, for example. Uh, they see this coming. I have to say it's probably for subverting the whole culture because my kids uh, actually really freak out when you take the electronics away. And I think they're not the only kids who do that because it's everywhere. There's no getting around it. They'll go to their friend's house then for it. It's really, um, I can't help but think that there's a sinister motive behind all that. Uh, And let's, uh, I think there's some sinister motives going on elsewhere too. Let's talk about it after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB from 3 to 6 on Saturdays. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. We could probably do 3 to 6 like every single day for all the stuff that's in the news that 
We think my producer Binkley and I do a podcast called Propaganda Report, which you can get at PropagandaReportDaily.com. And all it's basically dedicated to telling you what's real, what these news stories are really for. Not that they're all fake or false or whatever. Some of them are. But it's really that the reason it's being presented to you is usually not what you're being told. So uh, there is an endless stream of that stuff. And we do it locally, nationally, internationally. Uh, there's a lot, um, always a lot to talk about. So let's get back on it. The governor's race is going to dominate the news both in Georgia. And I would say there's going to be plenty of national coverage of it, too, because it's considered so historic because Stacey Abrams, the Democratic candidate, is a black woman. And I just feel like if we're supposed to transcend racism and sexism, why is that what we're focusing on? But I don't know. I don't want to play into the dialectic. I just want to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Get ready, because that's but, what it's going to be all summer. Yes, and it's not. Yes, I believe you. I know you call these things. But it's not just, the identity is not just about gender and race. She's also, Stacey Abrams also has uh, declared an economic identity. She's widely reported as being in debt. And, uh, you know, when you hear that, somebody's in debt, you think they are a debtor, like a net debtor, like they owe people money. But she's not a net debtor. She has positive asset value. She just, just like her opponent, Stacey Evans, chose to, it looks like, chose to retain school loans because they're highly subsidized and probably at a low rate. So Stacey Evans, who's portrayed as super rich, declares all of her asset value, which weirdly, I looked at Stacey Abrams' financial disclosure and I do not see the values of her investments, although they're listed. The value isn't listed, unlike Evans. But Evans also has debt, more debt than Stacey Abrams, actually, even though that's a big talking point. I actually want to talk about that um, in detail because the sound bites fly and they're meant to create a certain impression in your mind but uh, it's, it's a misleading impression that does not stand even mild scrutiny. But I want to demonstrate to you, which Binkley and I, from the beginning, said when she was when people were criticizing her, quote, for having debt, we we're like, you know what? That's playing in her favor. And as it's gone, as this has unfolded, it's clear that everyone knows it plays in her favor and, and she's using it for her um, uh, relatability and what I'm hereby coining as economic identity. But uh, we were, hate to flip around like this, but um, it is Memorial Day, and I was talking about um, my son's on a Boy Scout trip with my husband, and, and more and more he resists these trips, even though, oh, for me, I would really, I'm totally jealous. I'm jealous of them going the way I was a little bit jealous of Melania going to the hospital for a few days. So she, she, Melania Trump had supposedly some minor surgery. I hope I like her and I hope she's fine. But they were like, oh, she just has this minor thing. She's totally fine. She was in the hospital for five days. And I, and I feel like it must be a sign of overwork and exhaustion that I kind of envied her a little bit that, but, um, I envy more the possibility of hiking in the woods, but, um, but my son doesn't love it. So what do you, Binkley, you had some insight, right? Yeah. Well, He's experiencing withdrawal because these video games, it, it's an addiction. You're increasing my stress level, dude. Well, I didn't mean to do that. I'm just trying to lay it down for you. Well, you're piling on. I'm <laughs> already feeling bad enough that I'm forcing him to do the camping trip. Now I have to like, oh, it's just going to make it worse. Um, you're probably right. I see the physical withdrawal from the electronics. It's really crazy. I've, I've been around a lot of drug addicts in my life, like, you know, 
heroin slamming, <laughs> you know, drug addicts. And the personality change does seem to be like parallel. You People need to like, send some zombies out there for him to shoot at so oh, he can so, mimic that reality. Okay, so he needs reality to mimic his virtual world? Yes. <laughs> That's too far down the rabbit hole for me. <laughs> now you're, you're peeling the onion like one layer too far. You do. You do that. You go too far. <laughs> so, um, but I'll tell you, we haven't gone far enough yet on this Abrams thing, which I think is just fascinating because you, I, I noticed it too. And I think you and I came to this as soon as we saw this debt thing coming out because, because I know about Stacey Abrams background. She's a member of the council of foreign relations. She's, um, here, let me do something funny. I read it. I, I wrote a tweet that was kind of funny, and, and this will pretty much put it in the nut, in a nutshell. There was a passage in the Wall Street Journal this week, actually two. On Wednesday, there was a passage in the Wall Street Journal, the national news about Stacey Abrams, Wednesday, right after the primary. Here's a quote from the Wall Street Journal. Ms. Abrams has argued that her financial status makes her more sensitive to the needs of working people. And that's referring to the fact that she's been supposedly criticized for her debt level. But Binkley and I saw from the beginning that the debt stuff was a ploy to make her seem relatable. Mm -hmm. So so then the next day, uh, it says that this the Democratic race on Tuesday here for the governor gubernatorial nomination um, pitted, quote, pitted the former state house minority leader from Atlanta, who has hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, against a white multimillionaire from the <laughs> suburbs. <laughs> it's just so. I mean, what could be that? We're just, just, just giving you the facts, ma'am. Just, just the facts. Now, the, I rewrote the passage for Wall Street Journal. I don't think they'll put it in the corrections section, but they might. Here, this is what I say: uh, that the race actually, you know, kind of. Draw a line through that and put a little carrot. Pitted, Soros-funded, Yale-educated member of the CFR and author of romance novels from a highly successful family, including a federal judge appointed by Obama and a scientist from the CDC, against a self-funded local woman. Who also grew up in poverty. Oh, did she? Yes. Well, I looked at their financial disclosures, and Stacey Evans, I mean, they just, it's not clear. Stacey Evans has more debt, technically, than Stacey Abrams. She also seems to have way more assets, but she actually itemizes her assets. And get, I don't understand. I mean, I really think I would love, you know, who, who can do it? Our um, local researcher, our dedicated researcher, Garland Favorito. Mm. I bet he can figure out why Abrams was not required to put. Maybe it's because it's worth so little. But Stacey Evans wrote things like this is worth one dollar. So Evans disclosed every last dollar. Um looked like to me so let's so we'll see about that it's just uh, my point is that they're spinning it uh to enhance abram's grassroots economic identity laughing what are you laughing at binkley spinning is is a very nice way of putting what they're doing they're lying they're creating a false perception oh yeah that's true because she really has these these uh, globalist think tank things like through the roof. And also there's nothing on her financial disclosure that talks about, I think it's what seven romance novels. Like it says <laughs> one thing that she has like $150,000 advance on, I guess a future book, but, but she must have something off the books about 
uh, uh, the royalties there, because if there are no royalties at all, who's giving her advances? Why? And if there are royalties, I'd like to see them. Plus, I always kind of felt like book royalties, like what if George Soros really likes you, like he really likes her and he funds her? What if he really likes her books and buys a million of them? I mean, yeah, I always wondered if that's what happened with Obama. Like he got rich writing books. And now, what? Now, how is he? How is he getting even richer? Binkley, you tweeted something like that, or something. didn't you tell me what Obama's latest? They just signed was? a deal with Netflix that is worth an estimated, I don't know, like sixty million or something like that. And I'd like to see if they get it up front. You know, they get it whether the thing's successful or not. Are they getting a piece of the action, or are they getting money? But I mean, I'm not. I'm not actually implying that there's untoward stuff on that on there. I just. I'm just saying you can get very rich from that stuff, and I think it's misleading to suggest that um, that this is a, a you know a poor black woman against a rich white woman. You know that's that that really doesn't that's manipulative. In my and after she won, and before they were acting like she was the underdog, and she didn't have a chance, and nobody was paying attention to her. When it's the complete opposite, she was on the circus. She's Twitter verified. Like Showtime. Oh my gosh, that's right. Somebody asked me why I was not Twitter verified. You should be. Well, what does it take? It takes being a public figure and having some celebrity. Is everybody Twitter verified? Oh, Stacey Evans was not, no, right? No, Stacey Evans was not. There was only three candidates for the Georgia governor that are Twitter verified, and it's the three that are still around. That's interesting. So maybe they are, Twitter has predictive value? Perhaps. Or something more. Maybe they have power. Who could who could have guessed that? Yeah. Uh, so should we? She actually, um, maybe in her own words, it's easier to understand what she's going for with the debt thing. Like they spell it out. This is the other thing. Like there was a time. Like if you go back and read old literature and stuff, just like mid twentieth century literature. Like there's subtlety. They you get a message and it kind of sinks in and you didn't realize that your opinion changed. These days there's no subtlety. It's just <laughs> I have debt, therefore I am like you. Can should we should we play clip fourteen? I'm not sure that says it exactly, but let's hear what it says. You know what else makes you uh you know very relatable? The fact that you still have student loan debt. I do indeed. I owe a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you owe over 50000 They say 170000 in credit cards? They're trying no, to use no, that no. against They're, you, Stacey. I, I don't have the kind of credit, I don't have the kind of credit score that can give me $170,000 of credit card debt. I, it, you want to know if someone can manage money? It's easy to manage money when you've got a lot of it. Right. When you can manage your resources, when you have to make decisions and priorities, that's when you can really tell the capacity of someone. And that's why I'm not ashamed to talk about my debt, because mm-hmm. that's what most of us live with, trying to figure out how we make ends meet and still get all the things done that need to be done. I don't know. It looked to me when I looked at her financial statements, and I'm a CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst. I've, I used to be an investment banker. I went to Stanford Business School. I looked at her stuff. She has investments on the one hand, which she does not disclose the value of. And then she has a balance sheet that has debt on it. And if you have any debt whatsoever, you're going to want to have, if your school loans are highly subsidized at dur- that and were put in place in a low rate environment, if it's 2%, you're not going to pay that off if you're making 10% on a different investment. That's why Stacey Evans has $45,000 worth of debt. Um, 
Anyway, so maybe you're making too much They're of it. They're right, though. <laughs> if the Republicans attack her debt, that is the wrong thing to do because oh. it's only going to make her more relatable. Oh, talk about the wrong thing to do from Republicans. I'm going to take this call after the break, and then, um, so Lewis, hang on. And then at the top of the hour, we simply have to show how uh, Yosemite Sam is not <laughs> going to be a good candidate. <laughs> it's going to play right into her hands. Uh, 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Debunking the economic identity politics coming from the left in the Georgia race. Binkley, you had an on-point tweet that I'm going to Lewis's call. Go. I have a tweet from a resistor who tweets, hashtag, we all have debt. Yeah, that that person is trying to defend Stacey Abrams against my attacks that she's irresponsible for having debt. And I'm actually saying she is a responsible, sophisticated financial decision maker because she doesn't pay back low interest rate subsidized debt when she's making investments in companies that she founded or runs or whatever those investments are that she does not elaborate on. So I think she's I think she's savvy. I think she's very savvy. So there you go. Let's see what Lewis thinks. Lewis in Atlanta, what do you think? Hey Alicia, I agree with you hundred percent. First of all, um, I appreciate you being uh politically correct and saying the uh, the Wall Street Journal was being polite and being misleading. They're not being misleading, they're just flat lying. That's all there is to it. And second of all, let's look at the economy. The first eight years that Obama was in office, the country didn't have confidence in a community organizer. The confidence, the, the, community, the country now has confidence in a man that can run businesses. I mean, it just makes sense. Just well, I've got to, I've got to take a little issue with that, Lewis. Thank you for the great call. Um, Trump went bankrupt four times and was. Uh, bailed out by the Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross when he ran Rothschild Inc. in New York. I There was one article I read that he was bailed out by Soros in Chicago. And uh, and you don't have four shots at the apple with the U.S. And furthermore, I actually do not think, I'm a, I'm a libertarian, and even if, I mean, a hardcore libertarian, but even if I were simply a traditional conservative or believed in the American experiment, none of that, uh, supports the notion that the that the government is a business or should be run like a business. I am a proponent of free markets and liberty and responsibility, and I actually believe, and I think the evidence is there, that allowing the pricing mechanism to operate unfettered and so that every decision you make affects, it gives feedback to somebody who's selling something, and that will be reflected in the price. If something's on a shelf too long, the price goes down. This is how the free market results in the optimal outcome. Everybody makes decisions based on their personal preferences, and that uh, information is transmitted directly to the market through the pricing mechanism. And when it does that, the market responds in labor, in goods, in all of that, even in immigration, cross-border demand for labor and goods. So that's why, like in Ireland, they had to artificially stimulate the economy to attract immigration to change the demographics of voting. So I don't believe in using the government as a business. Uh, 
So I, I'm not criticizing her for any of that or praising Trump or criticizing him. I want free markets, non-intervention, and uh, and basically if we just restore the 10th Amendment, I think that would work. Do you have any another tweet or anything as we wrap this up and uh, and go to the top there, Binkley? Or not? Yeah, we have a tweet from Fire Nikki Haley. <laughs> go! Who tweets, how Republican is, how is Republican the GOP anymore? R&D are more marketing terms at this point. The underlying policies for both are the same. I actually um, agree with that. It's it's look at the one point three trillion dollar uh, budget, and I would say it could even be sinister, more sinister in that some Republicans are abdicating in favor of uh, the blue wave. Let's talk about that after the break. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.